Welcome back. Bob Black back with you here on the Sports Huddle Thursday afternoon. Let's talk a little more football. This time, let's talk some college football. Let's talk some UVA Cavalier football. No better to do that with than the Hall of Famer himself, Jerry Ratcliffe. JerryRatcliffe.com joins us as we'll break down the Cavaliers as they inch closer to their season opener against the Tennessee Volunteers. Hello, Jerry. How are you? Doing great, Bob. How are you? Doing really well, thanks. Appreciate it. Love talking some football. I imagine at some point I'll get into the somewhat boring discussion again of conference realignment and all of that that has dominated a lot of our talk of, of late. But uh, let's let's start on the field. And I'll tell you what, if you go to jerryradcliffe.com, and I certainly urge you to do so, and I mentioned this to the audience when I was telling them you were coming on today, the stories you've got just on page one are going to take up this whole segment, I think, for us, Jerry. So great <laughs> job with kind of the different, different slight of Virginia football and athletics that are on your front page. And I would I would start here because I think we all heard the word from Tony Elliott when he was talking about his quarterbacks, and he used the term pushing when he said that the freshman Anthony Calandria, am I pronouncing that right, Calandria? Calandria uh, is pushing Tony Musket, the veteran college quarterback. Now, not at the FBS level, the FCS level at Monmouth. Um, surprising to hear that, or was it a coach kind of throwing that out there to maybe entice his guys a little more? What do you think? Probably both, Bob, I think. Uh, yeah, we were surprised. I think all the media was taken aback a little bit by that because – you certainly don't expect a guy who is a true freshman to come in and, and push a veteran right off the bat. But uh, And we weren't sure what to make of that. Does, does that mean that Calandria is overachieving and better than everybody thought? Because he wasn't really highly recruited, mostly um, sort of a group of five and less schools. I think he only had one other uh, power five offer. And... Um, so does that mean he's overachieving, or does that mean that Tony Musket is underachieving and letting a freshman come in and steal some of his thunder? And uh, we, we don't really know for sure because Tony didn't uh, really expand on that very much. But uh, I did ask him, I said, you know, what? what is it about this kid? He's not very big. He's 5'11". Uh, he wasn't highly recruited. What What is it? And he said, well, he comes from a hotbed of – College football or high school football recruiting down in St. Pete. Um, he has an elite arm and he has a lot of moxie. Still, you know, you expect Musket, who's started for three or four years and has over 7,000 yards passing and I think five, five actually 5,000 yards passing in his career, um, would be able to fight off that kind of competition. And I think he probably was a little bit, uh, maybe not totally happy with what Musket has delivered so far in training camp and probably did use that as sort of an incentive to get a little bit more out of him over the next couple of weeks. And look, Jerry, either way, opening day is going to be a daunting task against yeah. Tennessee for for sure. Having said that, though, it'd just be hard to imagine putting a true freshman into that game, that situation, that environment to start his collegiate career. I, I can't imagine that, Bob, because they're walking into a lion's den down there in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're 28-point underdogs, and most people think that's too little. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, you know, 
they're going to be facing one of the most dynamic offenses in the country. They, I think they were the best offense in the country last year, and they got a, uh, a phenomenal freshman quarterback themselves who supposedly has the strongest arm that anybody's ever seen. Hmm. And, you know, we're still not sure if Virginia's offense can produce points, and that's what put a very good defense in such a bind last year because they couldn't move the football. Hey, uh, on the on the defensive side, Jerry, what are you hearing any more on, on Chico Bennett? I know that really threw Virginia's coaches and team for, for a loop there with the injury that he sustained, what, I guess on Monday, right? Uh, I, I actually at the scrimmage on Saturday, but we um... – we haven't heard any updates, and we may hear something at today's practice. They're finishing up here in about half an hour. But, um, yeah, that did throw things for a loop because he was the leader of this defense. He led the team in sacks last year with seven, the most since anybody since 2019 when Jordan Mack had seven and a half. Uh, but, yeah, he was an, uh, he's an experienced guy. He has over 2,000 college snaps to his credit. And I mean, you're not going to find a lot of guys like that out there. Mm-hmm. And he certainly was a guy that the rest of that defense rallied around. Now they, they're, you know, they're going to have to plug some holes and maybe move some guys around and get them ready, whether he's out two weeks or two months or, or more. So that does cause a problem for a defense that is the strength of this football team. Mm-hmm. So having talked about all of that, about the kind of conundrum at quarterback and the inexperience and Bennett being out, nonetheless, Tony Elliott's quote, and again, you have it on jerryratcliffe.com, we're a lot further along at this time than we were a year ago. Not necessarily a surprise because last year was year one and they were all getting their feet wet. But what do you think Tony Elliott is seeing that leads him to believe and make a statement like we're a lot further along this year? I think a lot more cohesiveness, a lot more fluidity, they're, uh, a lot more understanding of what they're trying to do. Last year, uh, Tony's a mon- meticulous note-taker, and so he goes back and he compares what was going on at this time last year. And uh, l- Last year, they were having to stop practice all the time because of uh, mental errors, penalties, uh, guys getting in fights on the field, just a, a myriad of of issues and plus they were in class for much of training camp last year this year they're not in class at all it ended early so he has more time to spend with them more time to teach uh, not only out on the field but in the classroom and a lot of these guys have been in the system for a year they understand it a lot more than they did a year ago and i think a lot of these guys have bought in where some of those guys last year just never seemed to do that and that caused all kinds of problems as we saw on the field in games and uh, led to uh, an abysmal record and uh, kind of put them in a bind for the future because some of the better players that they had and could have come back chose to go to the transfer portal so um, you know even even as things are more fluid they, they, they're having to do a lot of teaching on offense and not so much on defense because they had eight starters returning and some other guys with starting experience. But, um, you know, it's it's still a, a major work in progress, Bob. Yeah, sorry, I think we may have gotten uh, disconnected there. That was on me for just a moment. I hit a button there. Uh, so I apologize for not quite getting the end of uh, the end of your answer. And I imagine oh, you didn't okay. hear 
and I imagine you didn't hear my next question. Uh, so let, no. let me re- let me rephrase <laughs> that one, and uh, and we'll we'll move from there. Uh, so a reasonable expectation for Virginia at the start of the year. If you were to look into your kind of crystal ball there, Jerry, we talked about Tennessee, you know, not in Knoxville and Nashville, but home game nonetheless, nationally ranked team. Uh, JMU, home opener for Virginia, but the Dukes picked to win the Sun Belt, the East and the Sun Belt. Great year last season, their first at the FBS level. Old ACC rivalry with Maryland comes up next, uh, and then the conference opener against NC State. Wow. I don't know that they'll be favored in any of those games, Bob. Yeah. And the fact that um, I think Las Vegas, you know, when they put the over/under on every team in the country's win and loss record, I think they had Virginia three and a half, which means if if you take that bet, they've got to win four games. And most people don't see four wins on the schedule unless something occurs that nobody sees coming. Now, mm-hmm. You know, that uh, Tony Musket's going to have to be fabulous. I know he has a big chip on his shoulder and wants to prove that he can succeed at this level or that the offensive line gels tremendously, uh, something that's a huge, huge question mark. I think they do have a good stable of running backs, but that doesn't do you any good if you can't block for them. And so uh, all eyes are on that offense because they – you know, they averaged 17 points a game last year, and you're not going to win in modern football scoring 17 points a game. We saw what happened last year when they couldn't hit beyond that number. So um, three and a half is, is going to be a stretch if somebody wants to take that bet. Because <laughs> you, you talk to Virginia fans, and, and you know, I, I mean, I know there's some really optimistic people who are maybe not be realistic, but – they think there's, you know, they're going to win five or six games and go to a bowl. But I think most of the fans out there realize that getting three wins is going to be really hard when you look at that mm-hmm. schedule. I mean, who are you going to beat? Uh, they may be favored at JMU because they're at home. Um, but, you know, JMU beat some pretty good football teams last yeah. year, and I know they have some new personnel too, but – that's going to be hard to overcome because it's going to be, I think it's going to be a more meaningful battle for JMU in the fact that they're trying to prove a point that they're the best team in the state. There will be some emotional advantage for Virginia in that game because I know they're going to celebrate the lives of the three slain football players from last November, that being the first home game. So uh, that could carry Virginia to some degree in that game. Mm-hmm. But then you got Maryland and NC State, and there's no way Virginia will be favored in either one of those games. No, absolutely not. Uh, all right, we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that. It'll be tough for Virginia fans to kind of embrace embrace what's happening there. But you got to be patient. But still, that that you're right. That's that's not an easy thing to do when you're seeing prognostications of of three three and a half wins during the season. Hey, let let me finish up with you. I know practice is coming to a close, and you've got some things to get to. But on that expansion front, keep that crystal ball handy there, uh, Jerry. Doesn't look like things are going to work out. Stanford, Cal, SMU. Although anything subject to change, what do you think the ACC does next? Uh, what do they do to stay competitive, to be at least number three in all of this, and close that financial gap a little bit um, with the Big Ten and SEC? Well, I think something's going to shake loose in the next twenty-four hours, Bob. We huh. we heard a report from a writer uh, who probably knows the Pac-12 better than anybody, and he says that 
something's going to happen in terms of at least Stanford, if not Stanford, Cal, and SMU huh. um, over the next 24 hours that the ACC may be reconsidering. Uh, I know there's they're getting a lot of pressure from outside. I know former President George Bush and Condoleezza, yeah, Condoleezza Rice. Rice, yep. Yeah. Uh, both uh, were making some calls. Who knows who else is? But um, in, in order for that to happen, then NC State or North Carolina one is going to have to uh, break away from that uh, group of four that were hard nosed last week. Um, but it sounds like something's going to happen mm-hmm. one way or the other, definitively, within the next twenty four hours. So we're, we're going to keep our uh, head. To, the, uh, to the, our ear to the all the grapevines and see what we can find out. But uh, if that doesn't happen, I, I just I don't I, I can't see any other expansion because I don't know who else is out there unless they want to leave another established conference and come to Virginia or to the ACC. And uh, right now, I don't see that happening. No, one of the the things I saw out there was Potan. You mentioned Stanford in and of itself in in one breath there before adding Cal and SMU. That Stanford might actually have the wherewithal to go independent and in football and take the rest of its programs to some lesser conference like the Mountain West. Um, could that even be a possibility? I think it could. I, th- I know that's been floated out there by a lot of people, and you know they hired Pac-12 hired Oliver Luckton. Mm-hmm. solve the problem that they've got. And I, I think that's one of the things that, I don't know if he proposed it, but somebody did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that's been talked about along with uh, a merger of the Mountain West. There's also a lot of talk about a merger with the AAC, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, which would make them a 20-team conference. <laughs> wow. And uh, <laughs> and would it, it would actually double the the uh, t- TV revenue that the AAC currently has just by joining the Pac-4. Uh, so I, there's all kinds of things in the wind. <laughs> it, it's awfully hard to figure out exactly which direction this thing could go in, but I think something's going to happen within the next week, if not over the weekend. And, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows what is going to happen? <laughs> For sure. It's crazy well, out there. <laughs> appreciate that tip there, Jerry. We'll keep our eyes and ears on all of that over the next, uh, whatever, 48 to 72 hours. All right, go back to Virginia football. Uh, that's more fun anyway. And thanks for spending some time with us today. Look forward to catching up with you as we get close to the start of the season and throughout the season. Always love talking to you, Bob. Thanks for having me. Back at you, Jerry Radcliffe, jerryradcliffe.com, the Hall of Fame sports writer. I've been covering the Cavaliers for like four decades out there in Charlottesville and has probably never seen a landscape that looks like this one in the ACC or throughout college athletics. We certainly haven't. All right, one more segment to wrap it up. We'll do that after a timeout, and we'll finish up the sports huddle for this Thursday afternoon next on 106.1 ESPN.